right, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week one of our brand new series entitled Imperfect. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have our Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, South Shore, those that join us each week online and Facebook Live. We are beginning a four-part series. Very excited about this. We're looking at and studying the life of David. The Bible calls David, listen, it says of David, the man a man after God's own heart. Now think about David just for a moment. If you know anything about him, an extraordinary man, a gifted man, winsome. I mean, anointed of God, yet, yet deeply flawed. Many people don't think about that in David's life. They, 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 they don't know no, King David, a powerful and incredible warrior, but they don't understand the other side often. Or it's kind of diminished a little bit, yet David was anointed, but he was also riddled with pain and insecurity. Matter of fact, he was embroiled with unbridled passions at times, family chaos, personal tragedy. And yet God still used his life. Matter of fact, the whole series is called Imperfect. And if you forget everything I say today, don't forget this. God works through our insecurities, through our imperfections, not around them. In other words, God uses us in spite of us, not because of us. A lot of people think, well, you know, I just got to be perfect. No, no, time out. You've got to be available. I had a guy tell me one time, Pastor, you know what? I'll just be honest. I just feel like I just, I've got some issues in my life and I'm still dealing with some things and, and I don't know if I can really help anybody. I said, time out. Why don't you find out, find somebody that's hurting worse than you, somebody that's more of a mess than you, and why don't you start? Matter of fact, you don't even get healed till you find somebody who's hurting and help them. In other words, God works through you in spite of you, in spite of us, our fears, our insecurities, our inadequacies. We think, man, if anybody really knew about me, if they knew what I struggle with, if they knew the things in my heart, People ask me, so Pastor, you know, do you ever deal with things? Of course I do. Of course I deal with my own insecurities, my own feelings. Matter of fact, before I get up here and speak, oftentimes I'll think, my gosh, I, I hope I have something to say to help people. I, I mean, I've done my work. I, I put, but Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to help me unless you help me, God. Matter of fact, the first year of the church, I was, um, we started Church of King 1999. I was 30 years old. I know I look like I'm 35. Do the math. I'm older than that. You were thinking that, but anyway, I got up the first year and it's like, I was just apologizing. Like, you know, I'm so glad you guys are here and I know I look young and I'm not really not qualified. I was a youth evangelist. I said, but, but I'm so glad you're here. Matter of fact, I, I had a big old suit every week, big power tie, big strength. I just spit, I'd rebaptize everybody in the very front. I just, whether you liked it or not, just, it's just coming out. And, and, and I kept apologizing. Finally, my wife told me, she goes, Steve, let me just say this. First of all, nobody's thinking what you're thinking. And, and, and you keep apologizing. And you're reminding people of your age where you shouldn't even talk about it. Second of all, you're not that young. <laughs> so God bless you, honey. I appreciate the encouragement. What it was, was I felt insecure. I, I didn't feel qualified. I thought, man, there's some people that are, could be my parents out there listening to me. And yet, God chose and chooses to use us in spite of us. He works through our insecurities. Listen to me closely. He works through our inadequacies, not around them. In other words, all of us have strengths. All of us have weaknesses. We all are dealing with stuff. And that's why I love David. I love King David. 
Because David's life is a is somewhat of a paradox. It's 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 in one sense it's he was he was on the top of the mountain. I mean, in one sense he's hitting home runs. In another sense, man, he's striking out. I, I wrote this down about David's life. Very very powerful. David was a great warrior, great military. He was a military genius. He was a champion. He defeated a giant. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. He was the king. He united the whole nation of Israel. He was influential. One of the most central characters of scripture. By the way, do you know how many chapters in the Bible are dedicated to, the, to Abraham? You know, Father Abraham, our, our father, 14 chapters in the Bible speaking directly of Abraham. 11 chapters about Joseph's life. 10 chapters of Elijah's life. 66 chapters in the Bible about David's life. Not to, reference, not to mention 59 references in the New Testament. In other words, God really centered a lot in on this guy, David. And it's interesting that he did. Because in one sense, he's a writer. He's a giver. He's a passionate worshiper. He was a, he, he was a lover of God. And yet he had serious challenges. He was flawed. He was frail. He was isolated at times and chased down like a wild animal by Saul. His own son, Absalom, tried to kill him. He hid in caves because of his boss, and he hid in caves because of his son. Think about it. You ever get close to somebody? i never forget this one time. I, there's this big preacher guy, and I would never tell you his name. He's a great man of God, but you got close to him. i never forget getting, getting just kind of have a conversation, and he was so insecure. It's like, you ever met somebody that only talk about themselves? In other words, they never get into your world. Tell me about your life. How are you doing? And, and, and what's going on with you? And I thought to myself, time out. Wow, this guy is such a great man of God. And yet at the same time, he's so insecure. I want to say it again. God works through our insecurities. He doesn't work around our insecurities. He uses us in spite of us, not because of us. Are y'all with me? You have to understand that. David, David is an example of this. He experienced failure. He, he had family conflict. He had issues all around, and yet God used his life. God qualifies people based upon their willingness to be open to him, not based upon their pedigree, not based upon they do everything perfect. I had a conversation with somebody one time about what God uses and who God uses and what God chooses it. And I said, have you ever read this scripture in the Bible? Very powerful scripture in the Bible. And it's in 1 Corinthians. I want to talk about, I want you guys to know as we just kind of set the stage, what type of person does God choose? All right, watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is powerful. Bible says this. Paul says this. St. Paul. Here's what he says. He says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, well, that's good, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Wow. But... God has what everybody say it, say it, chosen. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. Well, pastor, I just feel so weak. I feel so inadequate. I don't feel capable. Time out. You're really locating yourself in a very direct center point of the person that God chooses. God chooses the weak things. Those that don't feel that they can. Those that don't feel that they're qualified. What? To put to shame the things which are mighty. Look at the next verse. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Pastor, I just don't feel like I was ever chosen. I was never on any teams. I really wasn't that smart in school. I never, wait, time out. This is, this is a, 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 a litany. This is a, a, a somewhat of a, an evaluative test to see in which you fit. Wow. 
God has chosen the things which are not. When nobody said they could, when nobody said they could accomplish. The kid that didn't quite do as well as the other kids in school. Uh, the, the, the person that didn't have the intuitional, maybe people skills. They, they, they felt a little awkward at times. They didn't connect the way that some of their friends, they weren't chosen as the cat. This is the person to bring to nothing the things that are. Why is that, Pastor? Verse 29, that no flesh, no flesh. Everyone say no flesh. That no flesh should glory in his presence. What's the point? God chooses you in spite of you. And God chooses you in spite of what you've gone through. So that when he does something great through your life, nobody will think it's you. Everyone will know it's God. Everyone will say God. Everybody say, but God. But God. Think of how many people's lives that I've pastored and people that are in this church. And Pastor, I've gone through this and this has happened in my life. And, and, and I don't know if God will ever do something beautiful through my life. No, friend, let me tell you something. God does beautiful things through imperfect people. God loves to do that in your family, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. Those that, listen, maybe you feel ridiculed, put down, all right? Maybe you don't feel lifted up. God chooses. Everyone say God chooses. God sees all that. And God chooses. And God puts his hand upon. And God anoints and God selects. It's interesting when I think of David's life, I think about some of the qualities in David's life. Why is it? And here's what we're going to do, by the way, over the next four weeks. We're going to look at four different moments in the life of David. But there are two, what I would call, indisputable qualities of David's life. There's two things about David's life that I believe consistently positioned him, listen, before God, where God says, my hand shall stay. My hand is chosen. My hand. Number one, David was hungry for God. Not perfect, but hungry. Watch this. I love this scripture in Acts chapter 13. And when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them, David is king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own, what? Say it, heart. He'll do my will. Number one, the first quality of a person that God uses is they just have a, have, have a heart for God. They have to be hungry for God. The problem is sometimes we're so filled with ourselves and so filled with the world that there's not a lot of room for God. You ever go to one of those real nice restaurants and I don't know, whatever restaurant, you just, I'm kind of an appetizer guy, you know, like, let's get some appetizers, you know, with the chips, let's do the whole thing, you know, we get all the, and then this incredible filet or some incredible entree main course comes. The problem is we're often not hungry for the main course because we fill up on chips. You know I'm preaching to the right crowd. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just like with God. Sometimes we're so filled with our little, uh, little gossipy things and we're so filled with the little pettiness of the world and we're so filled with all this that when it gets to God's presence and God's word and God's purpose and God's kingdom, I mean, we're just, we, there's not a lot, we don't have a big hunger. You can't be filled with the world and hungry for God at the same time. David was hungry for God. Why? Because he said, God, use my life according to your will, God. Number one, he was hungry. Everyone say hungry. Number two, he was humble. David was a humble man. God did great things through his life, but he was a humble man. I love the scripture in the book of Psalms. It says, he, uh, he also chose David his servant. Where did he take him from? From the sheepfold. David hung out with the sheep. Now his brothers were in the past, his brothers, I mean, they, they had all the accolades, they had all the, all the accoutrements of what success would behold, but David, David was a humble man. 
David said, I'm not worried about slick self-image issues. I'm not worried about how people perceive me. I'm, I'm going to be where God's called me to be. I want to talk to you today about four, one of four things. Again, I've got four different blinks in scripture. I'm going to talk about four different points of David's life. And the qualities that cause him to overcome humility and hunger, how he hungered for God. I want to talk to you today about how David's humility, how David's hunger for God allowed him to overcome rejection. You know, a lot of people think that David had everything handed to him, that he had this incredible upbringing that that, that, that he was raised and so, somewhat given. You, you've seen those people that maybe they achieved great things. You think, well, man, they were just given a silver spoon, not David. Matter of fact, I'll give you about a 30-second kind of a, a historical narrative of the children of Israel. The, the nation of Israel, at one time, they were a gathered people and they had no king. The problem was, as they looked at the, the neighboring nations around them, like, hey, they've got a king, they got a king. And so they went to God, said, God, we want a king. God reluctantly gave them a king. So God raised up Samuel as the prophet. And he told Samuel, he said, Sam, I want you to go over there and I want you to anoint this guy, Saul. Now, Saul, Saul had, I mean, Saul was tar- tall and, and good looking and handsome, like your pastor. And so I'm joking, I'm an albino, okay? Come on, I'm trying to wake you up. Lord, have mercy. So, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, Saul, he's just tall, this sharp guy, real powerful. And, 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 and the problem was, is that he consistently disobeyed God. The problem was he was filled with himself and he's filled with pride. So what did God do? God told Samuel, Samuel, don't miss this. He said, Samuel, I'm taking my hand off of Saul. And I put my hand upon another. Matter of fact, he's a son of Jesse. I want you to call Jesse. And I want you to get Jesse to line up all of the boys, all of his boys. Line them up. And I'm going to send you, Samuel. And you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. So what happened? Jesse lined up all the boys. And here comes the prophet. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to read a little bit more than I usually do. I want to give you the context. I want to talk to you today about how David overcame rejection and how rejection impacts people and how we respond to rejection. I can't tell you the times and the stories and the insight that I've gained from listening to people of how deeply they were rejected as a kid and yet how they had to overcome that. This is a story, a classic example of a young man that experienced deep rejection and yet God helped him. Watch this. First Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. And I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Verse two, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, man, he's going to kill me. He's still the king. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and, and, and I will show you what you shall do. And, and you shall anoint for me, son, the, the one that I will name. So Samuel did what the Lord had said. And, and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, hey, do do you come peaceably? And he said, I come peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse. That's David's dad. 
and his sons. And, and he invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at the first Eliahab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, listen, oh man, this is powerful. This will help some of you right now. The world's evaluation, I want everybody to hear me. The world's evaluation, culture's evaluation is different than God's evaluation. Just remember that. Look what the Bible says right here. He says, he says, for man looks at the what? Say at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? Say at the heart. The world looks at your outside appearance. The world looks at, do you have it going on? The world looks at all of that, but God looks at all. In other words, God transcends that and he goes to your core. Does this person have a heart for me? Not are they perfect. Not do they have it all together. But do they have a heart for me? He says, when you evaluate, Samuel, listen, when you're evaluating, I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to whisper to you. But my evaluation is different than man's evaluation. So Samuel starts praying. This is powerful. Jesse's got all his boys lined up. And Samuel starts praying. The Bible says in verse 10, then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. What do you mean the Lord's not chosen? Look at this one. Samuel, look at this one. Look at my first one. Look at, look at him. He's, I mean, this kid is top notch. Good person. Quality kid. Good kid. Matter of fact, they had a person one time come to church at King out. We were doing newcomers dinner one time. And, and, uh, and he goes, I'm looking for a good church. Healthy church. Quality people. Just solid people. Sol- I mean, solid people. Quality people. I mean, the more he talked, the more I felt like embarrassed. I'm like, wow. I mean, just solid people, stable, strong people, quality people. And just at the end, I'm like, sir, can I just say something? Probably not the church for you. I don't even know if I like match up to your qualifications. I... Jesse's putting each one of his kids up. Solid kid, quality, quality. I mean, just got it all together. I mean, top notch, top ACT, top everything. Lord, have mercy. I mean, he made a higher ACT than God. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Nope, didn't choose him, didn't choose him. Didn't choose, nope, nope, wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. You understand? This is like the end of the, lo- the, the, the line. I thought you said you're going to choose one of my kids. Samuel says, he says, uh, are all the young men here? Jesse goes, well, uh, uh, um, there's like one more. There's one more? Where is he? Uh, he's, he's like out, he's with the sheep. You know all the brothers are going, do not tell me they're getting him. No, 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 not, not. Are you, are you serious? No, no, no. Um, there's, you want me to get him? I I want you to go get him. God's talking to me about that boy. Wow. Oh my gosh. Davey, come here, Davey. Davey, come here. Matt, come here, Davey. Come here. 
the prophets, God's talking to the prophet about you. Go, go on, get, get in there. Look, look, this, is, this, is, this is in the Bible. I mean, maybe not that sound effect. <laughs> they should have put it in the Bible. But anyway, so <laughs> it says there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. And now he's ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise. Everyone say arise. Arise, Samuel. Anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one I've chosen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Can you imagine Jesse that day, how excited he was because one of his six top boys were going to be chosen by God. So he thought, can you imagine what was going through those brothers' minds? Today's the day. Today's the day. I'm going to be chosen to be the next king of Israel. And yet God had a different choice. Wow. The world looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Can you imagine what was going through David's mind? Hey guys, where y'all going? Why am I not invited to the party? Dad, can I come? No, son, you stay there. This is for your brothers. Talk about rejection. You guys remember when we were kids, when we would choose people on teams? Y'all remember that we were playing outside football, whatever, you know, just whatever it was, baseball, Red Rover, whatever the thing was. And you'd have teams, y'all remember that? We'd have two teams, right? So, so you'd get the two teams, you'd, you'd split them up, then you'd have captains, right? So you'd be like, I want him. You, you come on my team, you know? So you, you want to stack the deck, right? So I want him, okay. I'll and then there's always that kid at the end. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and you're like, um, and you're like, and so you go, well, I mean, the team's got to be even. I guess we'll put you on our team. And we would never really think about what goes through the mind of that kid. We really never think about it unless we are that kid. Wow. Psychologists will tell us when there's rejection from a parent, when there's a rejection where there's a non-loving, warm, accepting environment. I'm not talking about when we... Not coaching up our kids. I'm not talk, but I'm talking about where there's a rejection of their personhood. And then there's a sibling rejection where when one brother or one sister ridicules and consistently puts down the deep pain that's caused there. And it marks the soul. Remember we learned that as kids as well. You guys remember that? that, that, that uh, I don't know where these statements are. I, I don't know where. By the way, you know, our moms told us things that were in the Bible that weren't in the Bible. Y'all know that, right? You guys know that. Come on, moms. You said things that weren't in the Bible. You said stuff like, you know, the Bible says, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That was like a motivation to clean the room. That wasn't in the Bible. But it kind of worked a little bit. Here's another one, all right? Sticks and stones will what? Say it. But what? That's not true. Words devastate. Words impact. Words reject. They hurt deeply. And that day, David, that day, David had to deal with the sting of rejection. But that wasn't the only day. Do you guys remember the time when Goliath, big Goliath was up at the enemy, the, the, the enemy of Israel? 
And he was taunting all of God's people. You guys remember this. And, and Jesse came and said, Davy, come here, Davy. Bring some. This is in the Bible, 1 Samuel 16. Davy, bring your brothers some cheese and crackers. Because they're fighting at the front lines, going up there. And they, y'all, y'all remember this? And David had cheese and crackers. And he went up to go feed his brothers. Hey, guys, I got lunch. Got lunch for y'all. Give it to me. So what's going on up here? You don't know we're fighting that Philistine. Really? Well, what's he saying? He's making fun of God. Hey, I'll go fight him. Are you full of your, you're not, you would be destroyed. What are you talking about? I could go fight him. His family rejection, his rejection from his dad, consistent rejection from his brothers. Wow. Talk about pain. David wasn't handed this silver platter where he was given this whole thing and he just, it's good. No, he had to fight for it. He had to push through the lies and he had to push through the rejections. He had to push through his insecurities. Listen, God works through our insecurities, not around our insecurities. David was a man that had to overcome. Everyone say overcome. I want to talk to you this morning. I got about 10 minutes. Stay with me about how it is that we can overcome rejection. There's often three paths that we take. Three paths. When you experience deep rejection in your childhood, you experience deep re- uh, rejection in a relationship, particularly at points of origin as you're growing up, when you don't have maybe the maturity to interpret your value apart from your context. Number one, we often respond this way. When we experience rejection, and particularly in our family, we make a decision. And here's the decision. All right, I'm going to be valuable in life based upon my performance, and I've got to be perfect. So I'm going to be perfect, and I'm going to perform. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to do the best. And I can't let anybody, look, I can definitely not be vulnerable. I can't let anybody know I'm sweating. I got to put my best foot forward over and over. I can't be transparent. I can't tell people that things are really going on in my heart because, because it, because my acceptance is based upon my performance, my value. I am valuable and my contribution is based upon the fact that I'm perfect. Let me tell you what happens there. When somebody buys into that mindset, they become a pretender, an actor. You know where the word hypocrite comes from, right? It's from the Greek plays and Greek drama. And it, a hypocrite was somebody that was an actor. And that's what they were. They were in other words, they wore a mask. When somebody buys into this, they, 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 they may have gifts and talents and abilities, but they bought into what's called an inscripting. They've taken a script. Somebody's given them a script. In order for you to be loved, you must perform. The story's told of a pastor, his name's Ed, and uh, Ed's a great pastor, and he wrote a book, and I'll never forget, remember reading his book, and he talked about his, his dad played, I think it was Major League Baseball, and his dad was an incredible athlete, and, and his dad would take Ed every day, and they would go outside, and, 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 and he, would, he, would, he would have his catcher's mitt on, and he would make Ed throw the ball over. Not, 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 um, we're not talking about pitch and catch. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds. Of, now the dad's intention was, I'm going to help Ed to achieve. But what he didn't realize, he was actually communicating something else. And he would tell Ed over and over, Ed, you got to throw a strike, Ed. Come on, you got to be back. You got to throw a strike. And 
get it in, Ed, you got to throw a strike. Come on, throw, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And over and over and over until Ed began to interpret life. In order for me to be valuable and accepted, I've got to throw a strike. Wow. How many people have I talked to that have achieved great things in a professional sense? only to fall apart on the inside at the, at, the, at the peak of their accomplishments, the peak of their professional life, when the reality is, is because there's a hollowness on the inside, there's a worthlessness they feel because they know the moment they quit performing, they don't feel valuable on the inside. That's a path some people take. Number two, the second path that some people take is this. It's rebellion and despondency. This person has chosen, you know what? I, um, I can't perform. I'm just not that good. I can't pull it off. I, I'm really, I, 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 so by the way, you can often see this in a family where one rises up and achieves and says, I'm going to prove that I'm valuable based upon my performance. Another one will say, I can't pull it off. I'm checking out. It's too much. It's too intense. But it's the same pain, the same core, when there's not love and there's not acceptance and there's not encouragement, that, that same pain can often produce two, two different pathways. This person checks out. It's too, too intense, too hard. I, 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 I can't keep it up. And you can see that. How many people, if you interviewed them and said, you know what, I, I just, my brother was smarter than me. He was better looking than me. My sister was incredible. She was great at this. She was great at Bob. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was not quite there. My grades were not quite there. I wasn't as athletic. I couldn't quite, I couldn't compete. And because of that, I just checked out. I just, you guys can take it. What that person has said is the same thing as the first person. This person has said, the first person said, I am valuable based upon my performance. But the fear is the moment I quit performing, I lose my value. The second row, this person says, I know that you're supposed to be valued based upon your performance, but because I can't perform, I'm not valuable. Therefore, it's too hard for me to keep it up. I'm checking out. David had a choice. What was David going to do? David had such pain in his heart. By the way, you guys ever, I've told you guys this for years, if I've been your pastor. Again, there's how many books in the Bible? I'll tell you, there are 66 books in the Bible. Don't miss this. 65 books in the Bible are primarily God speaking to man. All right? 65 books in the Bible. There's one book in the Bible that's primarily man speaking to God. And that's the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, the book of Psalms. 80% of the book of Psalms, guess who was written by? David. Guess when David wrote those? David wrote those crying in pain often, hiding from Saul, dealing with the shrapnel of his own poor choices, dealing with the hurt in his heart because of family tragedy or family chaos, running from his own son, Absalom, that wanted to kill him just like his boss, Saul, wanted to kill him one day. And it was David that, 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 that had to make a choice because when we feel that in our heart, we can, we can do the, the, the perfectionism route. I have to perform in order to be valuable or the rebellion, despondency. I can't perform, therefore I'm checking out. I believe David chose the third. And you and I, we could all choose the third. All of us have experienced insecurity. All of us have a choice to make. And I believe that David, God healed David in the wilderness 
God touched his heart. In the book of Psalms, listen to this. As David made a choice to take, watch this, don't miss this. As David made a choice to take his pain to God and not run from God. Pain, listen, is the equal, it is the equalizer for all humanity. Pain leaves everyone with a decision. Am I going to take my pain to God? Or am I going to stuff my pain and deny it? Am I going to say that didn't hurt, that didn't hurt, that didn't hurt? Or... Am I going to say, you know what, that hurt. But I'm not going to let this pain define me. I'm not going to let this pain name me. I'm going to bring that pain to God. I'm going to let that fear, I'm going to let that rejection, I'm going to let that work, I'm going to bring it to God. I'm going to say, God, I can't do this without you. That's a good thing to say, by the way. That's a really good thing to say. Here's David. Here's what David did. The third route is brokenness and security, broken before God, broken because of life circumstances. But when we're broken in the right place before God, it produces a security and confidence in God. Look what David says in Psalms 142.2. I will pour out my complaint before who? Before God. I will declare my trouble before God. You have a choice today, sir. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me at every one of our campuses. You have a choice to make today. What are you going to do with your pain? Are you going to bring your pain to God like David did? Or are you going to rehearse your pain and remind yourself of your pain and all the people that have hurt you in your past? Or are you going to say, Lord, I'm going to bring my pain to you. I'm not going to let this pain name me. I'm going to let this pain loose me into my future because I'm going to bring it to God. I'm going to bring it to God like David brought it to God. Psalms 34, 17, the righteous. This is all David. This is him in the wilderness. This can be you in the wilderness, you in your prayer time before God. Man, the righteous cry out. This is David. The righteous cry out. The Lord hears. How many are grateful that God hears your cry? Come on. How many of you guys are grateful? Man, I'm grateful. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears and the Lord delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is the one that delivers. How you and I respond when we feel rejected is so critical. We can respond with that perfection route. We can respond through the despondency route. Or we can respond through brokenness and security and find our confidence in God. Brokenness is beautiful. We can make this declaration. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everyone at all of our campuses to stand. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to ask the campus pastors to go ahead and come on stage right now. Stay with me. I want everyone to stay with me. I can make this direct declaration today. I refuse. Everyone say, I refuse. Now listen to what I'm about to say. You can say this. I refuse to overachieve in order to prove to you or anyone else that I'm not worthless. We've got to make that declaration every day. I'm I'm not going to perform to feel valuable. I'm valuable because of what God says about me. I refuse to agree that I am worthless. I refuse to believe that my identity and my worth is found in my work. It's found in anything outside of who God says I am. I'm going to allow God to heal me. I want to allow God to raise me up. David's rejection drove him to God. Rejection from some, let me tell you something. If we don't go to God, if we don't allow God, if we don't allow our pain to drive us to God, where we cry out to God, get sloppy, cry, whatever you got to do. Man, you just, listen, how I many you know, listen, we don't need any more pretenders. We don't need fake. My friend wrote a book, Fake is Exhausting. 
Come on, how many of y'all know fake is exhausting? It's so exhausting to be fake. How are you doing? Fine, fine, I'm fine. Everything's fine, great, everything Really? Fake is exhausting, but God is enough. Every day we have to say, listen, we got a choice to make. Are we going to let our pain name us or are we going to let God name us? Are we going to receive what everybody, is our value, our performance plus everybody else's opinion or are we loved by God, marked by God, chosen by God, listen, inscribed by God that his name is on our heart. Listen, we've got to believe that God is for us and not against us. We've got to believe that our future is greater than our past. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe what God says, not what culture says, not what your ex says about you, but what God says about you, that God's hands upon your life. I don't care where you were in your class. I don't care where you, where you ended up. I don't care what degree you have or what, and I'm into education, but God is marking you in spite of that. And God's hands upon you. You've got to know that, sir. You've got to let the word of God wash out every lie, every lie of the enemy, every lie that says you can't, you won't, you aren't. You've got to believe you can, you will, you are in God. Come on. Let me pray for you. Man, I I am so fired up. You don't want to miss the next four weeks, I'm telling you, because God's got a word for you. Let me pray. Father, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word with everybody's Heads bowed and eyes closed. I've got literally one minute. I want everybody to listen to me at every one of our campuses. As our prayer team comes forward right now, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Listen to me. God is not mad at you. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. But I'm going to give you this opportunity. Do you know Jesus? The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. Our church can't save you. Jesus saves Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're standing, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, the Bible says, whoever calls upon that name, the name of Jesus shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that your sins have been forgiven and that you're ready to stand before God. At the count of three, if you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Quickly, hold it up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am, in the back. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you up front. Anybody else? God bless you guys up top. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you over here. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. I believe God brought you here today, sir, because he loves you and he wants you to know that. He's got a plan for your life. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray, church. Come on, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everybody. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 30 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ, there's a card behind your chair called a decision card. I'm going to ask you to fill this out. Why? 
to get some information, number one, in our guest central, number two, up front. By the way, our altar's open for anybody that needs prayer. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for the favor of God upon every man, woman, boy, and girl. I declare favor over your life. I declare the blessing of God over your life. God's hand and his love is your covering. Father, we love and honor you in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said...